Hello, and welcome to the Mutant Vehicle Project, Episode 2, The Cloud Car, with your host, Thomas, and co-host, Eric. I'm Touchy the Clown, your engineer, and I'll hand it off to Thomas to tell you what the Mutant Vehicle Project is all about. We all go to Burning Man, we see super big projects. They seem unachievable, and I don't like that that uh, big art seems unachievable. So as much as possible, I want to break down those barriers and help people figure out how to do big, big-ish, bigger art themselves. And, you know, especially, you know, mutant vehicles, like a lot of us don't know how to work on vehicles or don't know where to start. So hopefully we're sharing stories as to, you know, hey, I need to weld. This is where I can go to weld or, you know, this is where I can get a vehicle or here's how likely it is to get my mutant vehicle accepted by the org or whatever. So there you go. Uh, your host today are Thomas and Eric, our maestro. And, uh, and Matt. And with us today, we have Drew, a.k.a. Drewcifer, who's going to talk to us about Barbie Death Village's cloud car. But Drew, before we hop on the cloud car, do you want to tell us a little bit about projects you've been involved with at Burning Man? Yeah, so I've been going to Burning Man for 10 years. Uh, this is my first year not going, 2019. We'll see how that is. But um, I started with Barbie Death Camp, which I think in and of itself needs to be recognized as a large project that's been around for so long uh, that there's something institutional about it. I think that uh, the next other large project I got involved with is Gate Perimeter and Exodus, and I was a Gate volunteer for a few years, and um, they're my people. That's not always what I want to do when I'm at Burning Man, but they're just still my people. Black Hole Bar is the best bar on the playa. End of discussion. Uh, beyond that, I also volunteered uh, to be on part of Autobahn Dangers, Burn Wall Street in 2012. Uh, we built a scale model of Wall Street and blew it up. And I don't know, I guess we could should have had Trump Tower in there too when we did it, but uh, it's one of the best art pieces in the history of Burning Man. You want to uh, in- talk about... Um the cloud car and its background a little bit? Well, um, I'm going to go a little bit further back than the cloud car, but Barbie Death Camp is where the cloud car comes from. Barbie Death Camp is a solid camp that has been contributing at Burning Man for probably 10, 15 years before I decided to show up. Um, the camp's had an art car before or had an art car for a long time. That's not this art car. Is that the whorehouse? Right. That is the Barbie's whorehouse, which uh, started its incarnation in Burning Man as Thailand. Uh, and Thailand was a double-decker pickup truck with a huge-ass flamethrower over the back and a bunch of ties tied to the railings. Can you so, explain what double-decker pickup truck means? Sure. It's a, a <laughs> fairly... Uh, Agrarian or redneck, however you want to say it, pickup truck. Uh, We're talking talking a pickup truck with like, you know, a lumber rack on top or something. Yeah. So they they welded a set of stairs from the tailgate down to the ground level, essentially a few inches over ground. And then they um, built, I guess you could call it a lumber rack over the cab. It's not a big pickup truck. It's like a F100 from 19... 14 or something um at least but it so it's a small deck on the top right over the cab of the truck and then it's got a nice staircase down there um to the to the bed and from the bed you can have nice 
easy fall or walk off the, the, the tailgate onto the ground. So it's basically a two-story pickup truck with a staircase, and it used to have some really huge-ass flame effects on it, like uh, inspirationally big. Um, it's evolved with rules from the DMV. As the DMV rules changed, the, that vehicle had to change because it literally used to just be a thing covered in ties called Thailand. So so we'll get back to the DMV in a little bit. But uh, So what led to uh, the cloud car? Uh, the cloud car, Barbie Death Camp grew. It was Barbie Death Camp for like the first decade of, of its life, but then it turned into Barbie Death Village, which, um, you know, anybody listening probably has spent enough time reading the Burning Man website to know what this means, but a, a camp is a camp um, where you go camp with your friends. A village is when a bunch of people are like, hey, my camp and your camp should camp next to each other. And so then you can do a, a different set of paperwork with a different group of volunteers at Burning Man, and you can get a lot of a large space for uh, five-plus camps to hang out together and create kind of a shared image of what their neighborhood should be. So as Barbie grew to a village, we needed more damn space uh, to drive people around. And so the cloud car became hey, we should have a second art car turned into the cloud car in like uh, 2012. We wanted our camp, you know, our, our camp had an art car growing up. So it was used to being able to drive deep playa with everybody and everything, bring the stuff that you can bring on a truck, um, food to serve people and kind of set up a temporary spot in the desert to throw a party. And then it, the camp grew from like 30 people to 300 people. And that necessitated making some more space to move more people and also more volunteers that wanted to have their hands in things. And so when you're, you know, you just uh, create another piece of art sometimes because you need some more space. And that's, that's actually where the cloud came from. I think. Interesting. So I, I have a curious why a cloud car in, in part also, this is a second question, which actually I'm directing towards uh, Thomas is that, I, he, I think he mentioned something about the DMV and the concept of cloud cars in general. <laughs> so what uh, what <clears throat> Eric is alluding to is uh, there's a DMV call, or a mutant vehicle call uh, last year pre-burn where they're like, hey, first time mutant vehicle owners or, you know, returning mutant vehicle owners call in and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about mutant vehicles. And one of the things brought up on that is, you know, ideas that just don't work as mutant vehicles. So the number one thing that uh, the DMV said they get that just doesn't work as a mutant vehicle is cloud cars. Like they said, they get a ton of cloud cars. And, you know, it sounds like a great idea. And people are just not able to pull it off. You know, they like staple pillows and dumb shit to the side. <laughs> and it shows them. Like, well, I, I've mm. never heard that before, but I think that's phenomenal actually so i i don't think uh we've actually had you describe you know tell us uh what the cloud car looks like it, the cloud car story starts probably before the dmv got too many requests um the cloud car when it was originally built was built for the needs that barbie had um within the realm of dmv rules we had an art car that was badass we had we had held like 35, 45 people pretty casually shot some of the biggest flames on the playa. And it debuted in 2012. And um, it was pretty simple. It was, in a, it was well executed, 
good production value, but built on a budget. And uh, the art car, when it first was built, and its structure hasn't changed to this day, which is why I wanted to kind of start with that, is that it, it is a, an old Dodge uh, cargo van that was purchased for the purpose of being destroyed to turn into an art car. And it had a, a really well-executed body built over it that is two stories, and it's two full stories. So the, the whole thing as a structure, and to this day this hasn't changed, is a two-story, one-ton van um, that is probably eight and a half feet wide as far as like deck space goes, and I don't know, uh, like 27 feet wide, which uh, 27 is like when you can start calling shit yachts, so I want to call it 27 feet, but it might be actually shorter than that. But um, it's... Are we talking like a like a utility van, like one of those like murder vehicles you see driving around with no like windows? Yeah, but like the big ones, like the one you would get at U-Haul when you're like, I don't know, your friends moved out of their house, but it was like a couple that like was pregnant but didn't quite have a kid, so they have like a bunch of shit, but not like a ton of shit. <laughs> murder van plus murder van super. Size. Yeah, yeah, like like a long wheelbase. Um, and it was built well. All the all the exits are behind the rear tires. And we'll talk about safety later. But I just want to point out that seems like one on one jackasses don't run people over. Um, but it was built with like a plywood cloud structure on the entire thing. It was just the cloud. There was no rain involved in this thing when it was built, and it was beautiful. And it, like I said, shot huge fire. It was just plywood clouds with a bunch of cottony shit stapled to them, and it was painted pretty. And uh, People really loved that vehicle. It's first year. So what year was that? Do you remember? That was 2012 was his first year. So you had cloud 1.0, then what happened? Um, well, the cloud had a few great years. It like, you know, has some like technical difficulties over the years, but nothing really had to change to get it uh, approved by Burning Man. It shot huge flames. It transported a bunch of people safely. Those were like pretty cool things in the DMV's eyes for a long time. So that buys you a lot of points when it's just like, well, it's two dimensional. And you're like, yeah, but like 45 people go on it and it's Barbie death camp and we're the best camp. So we are nice and we just let people on it. Pretty key. So like I have all those things got us a lot of points and like, it didn't have to be some super technical thing. It was a beautiful car and it was built well enough to not cause a lot of stress to people. How did you end up getting involved in being the, the guy for probably um, 2014-ish, 15-ish. The, like, two things happened. One, like, I am comfortable driving large trucks, uh, which will get you into trouble with Burning Man communities because they'll be like, we have this large truck no one wants to drive. Who will drive it? And you're like, well, I don't, I live on the East Coast and I don't have a car. So sure, I'll drive the big idiot truck. And, um, I, I just like volunteered to tow this art car over the Sierra Nevadas a few times. And at some point, somebody offered art car insurance. And I want to say it was 2014 or 15. And the person that had originally like been doing the paperwork and signing their name with the DP was really concerned because they thought that the threat of insurance on an art car meant that in like art cars would suddenly be a deep pocket and much more likely to be a target of being sued. And so they didn't want to have their name on the art car. 
So following uh, Drew's comments about uh, concerns about liability of the cloud car and uh, having to get insurance for it, we, uh, we took the opportunity to look and see what options there were uh, for insurance and if, the, if that's really something that, that people should do. Uh, first, I reached out to uh, the Mutant Vehicle Owners Facebook group and asked, you know, just out there what people do. And I got uh, a range of responses. Some people don't do any. Some people said, hey, you know, look at the back of, uh, of your ticket. It says pretty clearly you're on your own. And uh, if you get hurt, it's on you. And then I had other people say, you know, we uh, we definitely get insurance. I had uh, uh, somebody who claimed to be a lawyer say, you know, the, the Burning Man waiver has almost, has very little power and I wouldn't rely on it. So people, some people get insurance. Uh, I think a lot of people don't worry about it. Um, one thing that uh, was pointed out Two different people pointed at the at one insurance agency that they went through. Um, so I took the opportunity to reach out to Amber St. Denise with the uh, Crimson Business Insurance Agency. And uh, she has actually supplied uh, insurance for mutant vehicles at Burning Man for uh, a number of years, uh, starting about uh, 2010. Uh, she's been offering this through uh, the Crimson Business Insurance Agency. So I called her up and, and talked to her a little bit. And she said, uh, 2018, she supplied insurance for 100 art cars at Burning Man. And uh, in talking with her, a few, a few of the reasons you might consider insurance coverage include uh, liability coverage beyond Burning Man's participant waiver. Um, so if you have a, a big, uh, potentially um, expensive liability issue that you just don't want to deal with, it gives you a little uh, uh, additional coverage there. Uh, liability coverage at other events. You know, a lot of mutant vehicle owners take their their vehicles to events other than Burning Man, and by getting that uh, that additional insurance coverage, it makes sure you have uh, coverage outside of just Burning Man. Uh, coverage for studio space was one thing she she mentioned. Uh, the build location, any volunteers helping out with, uh, make sure that if anything happens in either the space you're building or the crew that's helping you, uh, that you're protected there. And also, uh, they do provide coverage for catastrophic damage to your mutant vehicle. You know, I think uh, our, our Martuga, you know, cost, you know, a couple thousand bucks. If something catastrophic happened to it, it's not the end of the world, but definitely some of the larger art cars are significant financial investments. And if something major happened to them, that'd be a, a big deal. So they they uh, provide coverage for that. Um, in the event that you do want catastrophic uh, damage coverage, um, they'll send out an appraiser to take a look at your project and evaluate uh, how much they'll uh, insure it for. Um, so this type of coverage will vary depending on your mutant vehicle and what exactly you're looking for. But uh, Amber said that the Burning Man coverage, it typically ranges from about $500 to $1,000 for the course of the event. So if you know you're spending you know three thousand bucks on a on a sea turtle, not not a real consideration there, but much larger you know that might definitely be something you want to look look into. So, and if you're interested in reaching out to Amber, I'll add a link to uh, to their company on our resources page, and you can take a look there and reach out to her. And she said she'd definitely be uh, interested in talking to people who want to want a little peace of mind. So long story short, somebody that was in charge of the R-Car before was suddenly concerned about a liability issue. And they looked for somebody who wasn't too concerned about that. And I was that guy. Uh, I had been involved with the R-Car. 
um, physically moving it around and helping put it together, not building it. But um, at that point, I became the point of contact for the DMV and started doing the paperwork. Once I took over the car um, with the paperwork, I like, I don't know, just because of who I am, I ended up taking over the car um, in, in its whole aesthetic. Um, so what, um, what prompted you to, I know that you did a, a, quite a revision on the design of the piece and what prompted that? Sure. So over the last few years, I think, you know, it's always a thing you could say, but the DMV's rules for what art cars do and don't get included, um, or asked to, you know, come to the playa it is that the bar is like continuously being set higher. And, um, I mean, for whatever reason, a bunch of reasons, you know, just aesthetically, like our, without any argument of right or wrong, our car just didn't fit the criteria they were looking for. So I didn't necessarily always agree with it, but like, there's pretty clear rules about what makes a good art car that's going to get an, an invite and what makes an art car that's not going to get an invite. And so, you know, as they evolve those rules, your car can just kind of like fall out of that. And our car, they just fell out of that. So what, what was your um, approach to this issue? Um, when it became apparent that the car had to make significant changes, I like daydreamed a bunch of stuff and we, um, as a camp, raised a bunch of money and did a total rebuild. And what we tried to do is add um, essentially computer-controlled LEDs throughout the car. We're going to change the clouds on top would be, would be rain clouds and down at the bottom on this, the lower story of the vehicle, it would just be rain. Um, which would be all sequenced LEDs. And we did a pretty good job of it. it. It had its flaws, but um, that was the next goal is to just try to make it, make it more visually appeasing and attractive when you saw it in the, the night skyline than what it was before. Okay. So you had an idea of, you want to, you know, kind of make these clouds and, How'd you decide like what materials to use and how you're going to do the LEDs? Like what was the process behind like putting that all sure. together and making it concrete? Um, well, actually uh, uh, Eric was one of the first people I talked to about it. Um, Eric's a great visual artist. And so now it's, it's Eric, episode two of this. Everybody's just going to email you all the time. Eric being when they have an art car idea. Maestro of the mutant vehicle project. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to give that, but, uh, <laughs> um, so I messaged him and like, he came up with some pretty good, like inspirational pictures. And that was cause like, I have this idea and I'm, I'm a, a finished carpenter for a living. I built cabinets and it's hard for me cause I have like a thousand ideas. So and I talked to Eric and Eric can, um, kind of put those ideas out on paper and then once I see them, I say, yeah, that's what I was talking about. And once I like have a visual representation of them, it was easier for me to like break them down into components. And uh, I think that's what's like, like one of the most important things with an art car is, is having a team. Um, as somebody like grew up kind of in the carpentry world, like my idea of a team is a little different than the idea of a team that a lot of burners have, which is a, a learning experience for everybody. 
So because you can't just be like, yeah, I'm in charge. And if you argue with me, I'll throw you off this fucking roof. And that's the end of it. <laughs> so two questions. Um, I, I wanted to know about, um, so what um, you, you called me in to help you do sort of the illustrative work for your project. Sure. Um, what was the next thing that happened after I uh, took your ideas and, and did a, a rendering of them? Uh, well, it, that made it a lot easier for me to be able to see what whatever we were talking about would look like in the real world. Um, so what we did is um, once we had uh, Eric's renderings, we um, built plywood clouds that were backlit with LEDs and covered in like a translucent fabric. And we attached those to the upper story. And on the bottom story, um, what I designed was uh, essentially just like long strands of rain. And so there was like, in the original, once we finally put this together, there was like, I don't know, 6,800 6, addressable RGB lights in this entire system. And it ran off like, actually, it sipped. You could run it off a of one Honda um, EU2000. It was like about peak, but you could do it. Wait, uh, wait, which wait, is, wait. I don't wait, know what's going to work. Wait, so talk more about 6,800 addressable LEDs because I don't know that everybody quite understands what's involved in like animating that many LEDs. Once we figured out how to, or well, once we kind of like had an idea and I say we, it was like mostly me. Um, and then I would just bounce it off of my friend's heads that I respect them, but also uh, other people, including the people that were going to be in charge of the money for this whole process. Cause it was a shitload of money. And what we did was you got to research what's available before you start these projects. Like uh, I, I do fine, fine woodworking. And I work for some people that don't have a budget. And in that case, you just like do stuff. And that's cool. And it's super fun. But when you're doing this with a budget, what you got to do is have a really solid plan. And then, you know, I spent like a bunch of time on um, balancing a bunch of different things. Like I, I have a good idea of how to program LEDs. Basically, it had to turn into a computer, right? Like when you're trying to deliver. So 6,800 individually addressable LEDs means that we can tell every LED in this huge array which shade of what color to be at any given time individually. And so what you got to do um, is find the piece of software that lets you do that. The software Drew used was LightJams, which allows you to map out the layout of your physical LED system and then apply various patterns and visuals to the layout. For instance, you can run a movie as your visual and the program determines what color each LED pixel should be at any given moment. The software will then take care of communicating with your LED controllers, which in turn send out the appropriate electrical signals out to your LEDs. The software will work with all sorts of communication and LED standards, including the ever-popular WS2811 addressable LED strips. To connect the computer to the physical LEDs, Drew used the PixLite P-I-X-L-I-T-E LED controllers. There are probably a number of controllers out there that do the same thing, but the PixLite seems pretty straightforward to set up. You'll have to wire up your LED strands to the board and then plug the board into a network via ethernet cable. Any computer on the network can then access the board and interface with it over a variety of standard protocols, of which LightChamps is versed in. You'll also have to supply power to all the LEDs, which requires a bunch of five volt power supplies to be in the mix. So I bought a laptop uh, with the, the money from the R car and 
We bought a ton of LEDs from China. I bought them on like Ali, AliExpress, not Alibaba. Um, they're like really cheap and you have to like figure out how to use this like ridiculous Chinese website, but you can get a lot of things really inexpensively. So you're like, oh yeah, sure. Please ship me 6,500 LEDs from your factory. And they do. And you're like, wow, it showed up. Um, so I did that and like these all showed up and then you just start playing with them. So Can I ask you what your budget was? Yeah, sure. So the, the R car, the first time it was built, including the car, on paper was $10,000. But I also know for a fact that there's some money that didn't get accounted to. Like people um, just bought shit here and there. You know, like when everybody's working on, on the R car together in a group and like the whatever brake master cylinder dies, like somebody just went out and bought that kind of stuff. So there's, I would say, like including the purchase of the car. The first round was like twelve thousand dollars, probably. So what chunk of and that then, was the LEDs? Uh, that no, that was just to build the art car. Yeah, uh, with the plywood. Okay. And then the next time we rebuilt it was another twelve thousand dollars, and oh. so the LEDs were a couple thousand dollars out of that. Um, and the, including the power supplies and the other electronics that went with the LEDs. So, so it was it, a few thousand dollars. So in the range of art cars in general, where would you put uh, the expensive? Um, Barbie Death Camp art car with all the other art cars? Um, I would say that, frankly, I'd call it within its, in, within its realm of size, uh, low. So, you know, like there's a lot of art cars that cost less money than our art car to operate. But they're mostly smaller than our art car. I think that we actually do an okay job of getting an art car in the field every year um, without spending an obscene amount of money mm -hmm. we spend you know most of our money other than like capital improvements if you will uh, our money every year as far as budget goes is like transportation costs because it's like massive and it takes a ton of fuel to tow it to the playa um but we also spend a ton in propane for the flamethrowers um but those are the big costs of that our car I think that there's a lot of our cars that are in the like 40 passenger range that cost a hundred thousand dollars plus. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that the like the ratio of cost to um, sheer you know carrying being able to carry people, you, you have a pretty good you know number. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, compared to even our our stupid little golf cart, you know, you know, we spent a couple grand on it, and and we can carry four. You know, it's probably, right. probably a worse ratio than your your your. Hard car, which you send a lot more on. Oh, where did you store the uh, the cloud car? I mean, how do you get it onto the playa? I mean, you are on the east coast, at least back then. I mean, now you're on all four coasts. Uh, the art car, when it was built, was built um, near Sacramento in California, and uh, its first couple years lived on a property near there. Um, the problem with that is it's like really tall on a trailer. It's a really massive vehicle actually. So uh, towing it across the Sierra Nevadas is like a fairly nerve wracking experience. And uh, then you got to tow it back after Burning Man and sleep for like a week and a half or whatever. So um, 
it was stored in Sacramento and towed across the Sierras a couple times. And then we found some storage space for it that was on a really remote property in Nevada. Um, uh, when you leave Burning Man, if you go to Gerlach and then you follow everybody else, that's like not where our, our car was. You like took it right at Gerlach and then you drive to the next door road and take a left and then you drive on that for like a lot of miles, like 75, 80 miles and you're in California somewhere at that point and that's where the our car lived. So, and that was a cool spot. Um, so given that you, you did some of this construction on the East Coast, right? How did you get all the pieces together and get them out to the West Coast and get it all put together? We uh, assembled it in our living room and that ass put it in a U-Haul and drove it to the West Coast and like skipped a bunch of work and lost a bunch of money and almost couldn't pay rent. Like all this big stuff at Burning Man is going to cost you all the stuff you have. So do it, but just remember that's going to happen. Um, we, we drove across the country and then had people that were closer to the West Coast that wanted to help and were like fortunate enough to be able to help. They kind of joined us and we, uh, like we, we soldered epic amounts of LEDs and power supplies and, uh, so the point of this, though, was that you had assembled, like, lighting in Connecticut. You hadn't actually fitted it to the cloud yet. You hadn't done a full build yet. So basically, you're bringing the vehicle and all the lighting together at the burn for the first time and trying to make shit work. Do you want to talk about that? Like, we, uh, Yeah, no, I don't really want to talk like about it. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> when we asked, um, yeah, talk about it. Do it. Okay, so I'll talk about it. We we did a lot of work pre-burn in California. We like got out there a week a week early, basically, and um, the the rain panels is what we're gonna call them. The, the bottom half of the R car worked pretty reliably, fairly quickly. It was that was all functioning in my living room in Connecticut. So I think the clouds had to get the ra- the rain panels are your like LED programmable strips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of which just like hung around the R car to try to look like rain. Um, they, uh, and uh, there was a bunch of clouds, which we had cut out of plywood and, and started to make look into puffy clouds, but they also had to have LEDs laid into them, which all had to be like wired together. So we had about a week before Burning Man that year to wire all that together. Um, some pretty good crew, people that knew what they were doing and people that learned quick. So, I mean, ostensibly like all the panels worked individually, <laughs> um, then when we got them to Burning Man, screwed them together. The the upper half of the R car didn't work that great, but the bottom half worked badass. So screw it. We got we got it working enough through some backlights on the clouds. Design some redundancy in your R cars. Like if your upper lights fail, if your like super fancy computer addressable lights fail, like make it so that you could just like send somebody to Reno to buy a bunch of LED lights and stick them behind your decorations and backlight the shit out of everything and have it look okay. Like have an okay option, I guess. This is a side note there. Cause that was like one of the things I did when I built this, the clouds were like a plywood frame with some cross pieces full of LEDs, but they're also like, we picked out the color of the, the material based on that, that covered these like cloud frames based on the fact that if I just stuck an LED, like a, a fucking work light, I don't give a shit, whatever the hell is lying around flashlights, LEDs, glow sticks, whatever the hell people at camp like forgot that they weren't watching or whatever. 
and we just stuck it all in there. And the first year we got through DMV, no problem. Like the bottom half was badass, and the low, the upper half, they're like, yeah, you should work on that. We we're like, yeah, like it didn't work the way we wanted it to. So we improvised it and we got it all going. Uh, but we essentially had a week to solder all that shit together. And then we took like an extra three or four days of the fly to solder it together. And then like everybody's just at Burning Man and kind of like fucked off. And there's only like two people really that trying to get it done. And you like recognize the insurmountable task. And you start just going like, all right, how are we going to just make this fucking work? Which I, I don't know how to spoil anything for anybody, but it's like how a lot of big art ends at Burning Man. They're, like huge lofty plans. And then you're like, yeah, but how are we going to make this look cool by the end? <laughs> <laughs> so you go from amazing idea to like, oh shit, we're on playa. We've got three days to pull this together. Just, just fucking make something work. Yeah. Um, is uh, was there anything that the DMV has called you on in the last year or two that they're like, you know, fix this next year or, um. It's okay, but we'd like you to improve this. Yeah, like every year there's a comment about that, which like is pretty discouraging feeling as an art car builder. So like just know it's probably gonna happen every other year at least. Like this the bar keeps getting raised. So like try not to get too discouraged by it. It's like part of the process. Like we're all trying to increase this level of art and like sometimes yours just isn't going to be the best. So like they're always going to talk some shit. So don't hate the team be too bad for that, for saying like, Hey, there's room for improvement. Cause like if you're as much of an artist as the rest of us are, you fucking know there's room for improvement. Shut your mouth. You know, it could be better. Drew, is there anything about the, uh, mutant vehicle application process or DMV that you want to talk about at all? Or, um, so with the, the, the Burning Man mutant vehicle process is easy. It's a bunch of paperwork, which is annoying, but it's still easy. And just read the damn things that they write. They're pretty clear. Whether you agree or don't agree, they write a really clear thing. And it's pretty clear to follow. And you just try your damn best, and you hope for the best. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, like, offended at myself for sounding that positive about the process. I wish I had more shit to talk about it. But, like, it, it's clear. So just do your just do what they say and they will probably let you bring your art cart. And if you're like, well, I duct taped some sparkly shit to my golf cart, then they're probably not going to let you bring their art cart, but it's not a surprise because they pretty clearly communicate that. Oh, I, I just wanted to, I don't mean to drill down on this again, but I wanted to really see what, what the, you know, all this work that's gone into this thing, what was the experience like once you were out there and the whole thing was going and, you know, the people were seeing your vehicle, how did that feel? Uh, well, I mean, when it works, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think one of the things that attracts me to build art at Burning Man uh, is getting to watch somebody's face when they experience it. I don't always feel like I'm like as into everybody's art as the rest of the people. Cause I'm always looking at it like, how'd they build that? How would I do that? Or like, holy shit, how'd they get that team to communicate that well and like effectively accomplish this task? That's crazy. That's like way harder than all the buildings I see out there. It's interesting. Um, I think so, uh... so like, 
you're talking to like well, a group of people that have the exact same perspective. Like, yeah. I don't know about, uh, about, uh, Matt and Eric, but you know, I definitely go out and look at like, I may appreciate it a little bit less, but I want to know how the hell they made that and what went into bringing it out and, and all that, like what makes it tick. That that's, is our appreciation cool. though, is yeah. seeing how stuff is built. I mean, that really is. I mean, even other forms of art, whether it's painting or music is really getting into the structure of yeah. how stuff is done. So was there any magic that happened in terms of like, I don't know, meeting people or um, experiences, things that, you know, because you did this thing that something happened that you weren't expecting? Well, yeah, yes and no. Like I had a lot of, a lot of fun in this art car before I was in charge of it. <laughs> um, and it, you can definitely quote me on that. Once you're in charge of it, it like the, an art project shifts. It's not about you having a magical experience on it. It's like when you're in charge of something, you have to know like you're the man behind the curtain. And so you're, you're busy creating the magic. And so I've, I've watched people, you know, like, uh, this is sound corny, but like I've watched people like fall in love and break up and, you know, like fight and make up and all these other ridiculous things have happened on this stupid art car that I was involved in. It's not my art car, but it's a, it's a group of people for sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've had my own magical experiences on it, but they were like kind of weren't when I was in charge of it to be frank. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've been in charge of flame effects on the car before and like not the art car. So like shooting fire and not having to care about like ingress and egress. And if people are counting how many people are on the roof, like that's, that's a fun time to be on an art car. You just shoot fireballs and like people freak out and you're like, yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> those are my best times with the art car. Once you're in charge of it, I, I think like you're, you're, you're not, trying to have a magical time and i think that all of us that like and you guys too right all of us that build burning man like the magical time for us isn't like oh this art piece gave me some vibration that i felt in <laughs> tune with like it doesn't it doesn't fucking happen for me like i just don't that does not happen but when you watch a bunch of other people like holy shit my life is different now because i saw this or i participated in this that's that's why we do, we build that shit. It's not it's not so that we have a good time on it. Because usually we're like, why the fuck isn't the goddamn propane working? And why is this fucking? Does it sound like it's skipping a fucking cylinder? Like, goddamn it, what's wrong with this piece of shit? Is the driver drunk? Goddamn it, what's going on? I have to be in charge. <laughs> what's next for you? Uh, I don't know. This is my first year in uh, ten years. I've been a Burning Man for ten years in a row, and. Uh, I'm not going this year. So this is the first time in a decade. I'm not going to burn anything. So, um, I, I don't know. I, the R car, uh, right now, somebody else is in charge of it for this year. Um, I think that's important. I think that with an R project attached to like a long-term camp, you want to like, maybe like create a process would be nicer, but essentially like this car needs to be somebody else's baby for a while. I'm, would like to do other art projects. So this card yeah. needs to be somebody else's baby. Is that, uh, so what led to that? Uh, what are some of the, the highs and lows? Like what, what's awesome about making an art car? What sucks about making an art car? What sucks about having an art car? 
is that like you're in charge and it's burning man and burning man's a really weird place to be in charge of like things like safety where we have an aesthetic of like safety third but also like you don't want people to kill themselves in your car and they're all drunk and so it, it, for me at least it stresses me the hell out and uh like those are the worst memories in the art car where someone have to be like, Oh, there's too many people on board and they're like, eh, you're not inclusive and you're like, No, it's just like it's an old it's like nineteen eighty eight Dodge frame with some shit welded to it. Don't climb up here, there's forty people already. <laughs> I'm not trying to harsh your vibe. I just there's some like back here. Um the best parts are when it like it changes people's perspective on things. That's what we're all trying to do at Burning Man, I think. I think we all build, like, big, crazy art, and uh, we try to... I don't know. There's, like, some one-up and shit we're trying to do each other, but also, like, it's a big, like, permission engine. So people get to be like, what if I just, like, learn to bake bread? Because I went to Burning Man, and these people built idiotic large sculptures or art cars or whatever. I'm going to approach bread breaking with some kind of artistic sensitivity to it. And that's what we're all open for, right? Well, this is how we express ourselves, like blowing shit up. And we want everybody to know it's okay to express yourself. So, so I don't know if uh, there's any specific uh, social media outlets, websites or anything, but uh, where can people find out more about uh, either the cloud car, the whorehouse or uh, Barbie death camp? village in general uh barbie death camp is the place to go um because our cars are a fickle and evolving thing so you never know if uh your last opportunity to see one of them has passed uh, but barbie death camp has a really good facebook presence we have our own website it's barbie death camp and barbie death camp.com i believe um and then our facebook page is barbie death camp and village so um where the uh, the mutant vehicle project at the the mutant vehicle project dot com and you can find us on facebook dot com under the uh, the mutant vehicle project and also at twitter at the mutant vehicle and instagram the mutant vehicle project and you can email us anytime you like at the mutant vehicle project at gmail dot com so until next time this is the mutant vehicle project. <laughs> <laughs>